It is the question many of us are asking, why has there been so much stock market gain, even with all of the economic pain? We'll have answers with special guest co-host Chad Parks of Ubiquity, Retirement and Savings, and so much more on this edition of Money with Friends. Welcome to the Money with Friends podcast. I am certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, host of the host of the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, coming to you from my very grown-up kitchen, but this time actually in Putnam County, New York. And I'm Chad Parks, coming to you from my casita in Puerto Rico. This is the Money News Show that includes commentary on recent headlines and stories with thought leaders from across the financial landscape, like Chad Parks from Ubiquity. We break those stories down into what matters to you, our friends, and we leave you with a takeaway to make it your own. And this episode of Money with Friends is sponsored by Tiller, your financial life in a spreadsheet automatically updated each day. Go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF for a free trial and 20% off your first year. And of course, we thank you when you use that link, you support the show. It's tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Chad Parks, how are you? So nice to have you back. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, it's good to be back. I mean, my goodness, what a difference a month makes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody saw this one coming, did we? No, we definitely did not. Four weeks ago, I mean, it was early March and uh, I was in my kitchen in New York City. I've now moved out of mm -hmm. the city with my family where we have a little bit more space for now. Um, but the world has certainly changed and, and the economics have changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, just to put everything on a big old pause button, um, I don't think has ever happened. I, you know, there's a lot of discussion about that, right? Like, when has this ever happened in modern civilization? And we can't think of a time, even World War II and other times where there was global crisis, things took time to work their way through and they didn't affect the entire uh, globe at the same time. So clearly something uh, very, very interesting for us all to experience. Um, obviously, the toll that this is taking on people's lives and health um, and the economy is something that I think will reverberate for quite some time. And I think this is you know, why we're talking about this today is because one of the reasons is you know, we're asking ourselves, why is that stock market doing what it's doing when most things, most normal or rational people would tell you it's going to be bad for a while. So why are we still uh, having such what was the term um, exuberant uh, exuberance in the market? Yeah. Right. So I can't wait to talk to you about that. Exactly. Well, we're going to get to that mystery. First, let's see which one of our friends is going to bring us into the headline. This is Tara from Rise Up. Headlines ripped from the financial press only at Money with Friends. All right. That would be me. <laughs> so today's headline uh, article written just over this weekend, uh, stock market gains alongside economic pain. Some Worry About Over-Optimism by Sinead Karou. So what we have here is the U.S. stock market has rebounded swiftly despite a raft of terrible economic news driven by a massive boost from the Federal Reserve, hopes of a successful reopening of the economy and possible coronavirus treatments, as well as investors' fear of missing out. But not everyone is buying the bounce. So the S&P has been up 28% since its tr uh, trough, in March, uh, the 23rd of March. So that's, think about that, right? We've lost over 30 something percent and we've gained almost 28% back, which is a very difficult uh, swing to take in a month. So we're gonna continue the article. I didn't go into all the details because this was written uh, a few days ago. And by the time you hear this, <laughs> it won't even matter. Um, 
So uh, that rally has been spurred by the U.S. Central Bank going into overdrive and trying to keep the economy from suffering lasting damage, as well as a $2.3 trillion federal stimulus, stimulus package. Investors and analysts have turned more positive. Goldman Sachs last week said the unprecedented monetary and fiscal policy actions by the Fed and Congress have, quote, precluded the prospect of a complete economic collapse, end quote, meaning its previous near-term downside forecast for the S&P of 2000 was no longer likely. Andrew Sheets, a strategist at Morgan Stanley, wrote in a research note that the economic downturn, quote, will be more severe but less prolonged than the financial crisis. So let's think about that again, more severe but less prolonged. He expects the economy to hit its low point in the second quarter. If that's the case, she said, it's very reasonable that the low for equity slash credit prices happens before that. The stock market has changed its mood swiftly since March 23rd when the S&P dropped as much as 35% below its February 19th peak. But trading has been volatile. Since then, the index has closed up more than 1% in 10 sessions with its biggest daily gain of 9.4% on March 24th. It has fallen more than 1% six times, and the deepest cut was 4.4% on April 1st. Other risk assets would have also benefited. Junk-rated bonds saw record inflows of $10.5 billion in the week to Wednesday, B of A said on Friday. The turnaround and optimism comes against an awful economic picture. Data on Thursday showed a record 22 million Americans have sought unemployment benefits over the past month. Manufacturing activity in the Mid-Atlantic region plunged to levels last seen in 1980, and home building tumbling by the most in 36 years in March. That followed dismal reports of a record drop in retail sales in March and the biggest decline in factory output since 1946. Let's just pause for a minute. Let's just look about. So we're talking. There's a lot of econ pain here. We've got massive yes. jobless claims, right? We've got massive retail issues because that whole mm-hmm. thing is basically ground to a stop. Manufacturing, yeah. Manufacturing. So this Home building. So what's going on? Well, it is that giant pause button has been pushed, and the the thing comes to a grinding halt. Uh, I believe that the stock market might have missed that clue and is ratherly over-optimistic, as the article says, about how much time it's going to take for these industries to turn themselves back on and get this economy flowing. I think that's what we're really seeing. I mean, these are rather, you know, scary statistics. Like you said, unemployment highest, you know, ever in 22 million claims, uh, production manufacturing not seen since 1980, home building dropped in 30, lowest, biggest in 36 years. Factory output hasn't been this low since 1946. Um, You know, when you look at this historically and you think about the time that it's taken for recoveries to happen, it's hard to compare post-World War II, right? We were in a whole different world at that time. It was heavy manufacturing, very little in terms of information and digital. But still, I think when you look at home building and the big macroeconomic cycles, you know, this this is sort of like an aircraft carrier. The aircraft carrier basically was torpedoed and it got dead. It had to stop dead in the water, but it might take a little bit of time to get recovered. And um, I, I think that's where our, our rub is, right? We don't quite know uh, what to believe. I, I would agree with that. Okay, let's go on with the article because it talks about a little bit of FOMO and that might lead, that might be part mm-hmm. of the clue to what's going on here. True, yes. All right, so some investors are arguing for more focus on fundamentals, such as corporate earnings, which we are now in earnings season, right? So this is going to be very interesting. 
The market's forecasting can be error-prone, and currently there is little mention of head fakes, value traps, potentially impotent policies, and significant late-order effects, Richard Bernstein, chief executive of Richard Bernstein Advisors, wrote in a report late on Friday. He thinks we are in only the first phase of a bear market. Bernstein says fundamental, not short-term technicals, or FOMO, fear of missing out, quote, will ultimately determine the direction of the markets. So what we have here is a lot of people seeing mm -hmm. the dip, looking at it as a buying opportunity, perhaps potentially driving back up value. Yeah. So I'll continue on the article. Chris Beauchamp, analyst at online trading firm IG, said investors continue to be confounded by the strength of the rebound in stock markets, which have apparently decided that the coronavirus crisis is receding in intensity. However, he said that with earnings season intensifying this week, the rally faces more hurdles. Citigroup's chief U.S. equity strategist, Tobias Lekovich, wrote that he worried about, quote, sentiment moving out of panic so rapidly in what he described as somewhat treacherous and volatile investment environment. So the question is, why did the market move out of this panic mode so quickly? I remember when we first started talking about the coronavirus, there was a lag in the stock market reaction that was mysterious right. to us. And then we had this, what they would reference as the panic mode. And now we've mm -hmm. had this buying on the dips. It's yeah. very interesting. You know, you can come at it so many different ways. You know, part of me, and I hate to say this because it's <laughs> part of me might think that maybe all this talk in the media about don't worry about it, keep buying and, you know, it'll, it'll recover and get better. Maybe people are actually believing that <laughs> and maybe we should, but I think what's happening is just this quote here that says, you know, sentiment moving out of panic so rapidly, you know, that's really where we are. You know, we didn't say that the party was over yet. Why are, you know, or that the crisis is over yet. Why are you all jumping back in so soon? You know, there could still be, you know, to use a, a the Jaws metaphor, right? There could still be sharks and blood in the water. Are you sure you want to get back in so soon? So it's it's right. kind of a, it's, it's definitely uh, a little curious, especially since we haven't had a full cycle of earnings yet, right? We haven't gone right. through Q2 to even know when things are going to open, when businesses are going to recover, when the cash is going to flow, what that's done to earnings with or without federal stimulus, right? I mean, the federal stimulus is an injection. It's a short-term fix, but it's not a long-term sustainable uh, value hold. And then when you think about this whole new normal, what is it going to be in terms of people actually going to shops and going to restaurants and spending their money? How is this? I look at it as a little bit of a tectonic shift. How is this actually going to change us? I don't think anybody has a clear understanding yet. So I think, yes, I agree with the sentiment here. There is a little bit uh, too much over optimism at the moment. And it's interesting because, as you point out so accurately, we don't know what the new normal will be. Will we have airplanes which have to really reassess their economics because they can't put people in such right. tight quarters anymore? The same thing with all of the restaurant industry, the hotel industry. They're going to maybe they can have the rooms, yeah. but are they going to have different levels of cleaning standards, which will change their economics as well? So let me go on. The article does finish up and it does give some specifics that investors have been honing in on, which mm -hmm. does give us a little bit of clarity as to at least those investors that are coming back into the market, 
for specific reasons. So here, this is back to the article. Mm. While policy, and by the yeah. way, we do tape this in front of a live Facebook audience, and I will get to your questions and comments in just a few moments. Um, so feel free to leave them um, in the comments section. Okay. While policy moves like these by the Fed and congressional stimulus programs may deserve big reactions if risks are removed, Lech- Levkovich says he is looking at fundamentals and worries about difficult to assess issues such as the potential for second wave infection outbreaks as the economy reopens. Investors have also been reassured by signs U.S. coronavirus cases may be peaking, and on Friday, stocks were buoyed by a report that COVID-19 patients with severe symptoms had responded well to a drug from Gilead Sciences, even though full trial data for that drug has yet to be analyzed. Russell Price, Ameriprise's chief economist, sees government stimulus, reports of virus treatments, advances, and signs of peaking infections as good reasons for the more positive stock market. But he expects the U.S. economy to take between six and eight quarters, that's two years, guys, to get back to where it was at the end of 2019. Quote, what's not fully been embraced is how difficult, and this goes to what you were saying, Chad, how difficult it's going to be to get the economy up to speed, said Price. While the market doesn't seem to be appreciating is how long, what the market doesn't seem to be appreciating is how long it takes. Now, Bernstein argues that if economic progress in China, the first country to report coronavirus cases, is any guide, it doesn't bode that well for the U.S. economy in the near term. Quote, China's path has been very saucer-shaped at best, according to Bernstein, which notes that the country is about 50 days ahead of the United States in its outbreak and recovery. Joe Saluzzo, co-managing, co-manager of trading at Temis Trading in Chatham, New Jersey, is also skeptical of the rally. Quote, you don't fight the Fed. You have the momentum people are chasing, said Joe Saluzzi. Um, but he is skeptical, saying, is it fundamentally justified? Absolutely not. So that's an interesting thing. You don't want to fight momentum. You don't want to fight the Fed. That said, it doesn't mean that this is justified yeah. in a fundamental basis. No, absolutely not. We haven't seen any earnings numbers. Exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's pure speculation. That said, you know, if people sell at this point because of the volatility, they have locked in lower prices, depending on where they sell, they might potentially lock in losses, that kind of thing. If you buy and it's for the long term and you're buying on oh. these dips, there's not really that much damage if you're going to hold it for a very long term ultimately. Correct. So that doesn't worry me so much. Even if it goes down, if you're holding for the long term, you'll just manage with the ups and downs, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's that's the long term strategy, right? And when that dip did occur, you know, like I said, I kind of hope that people paid attention, but at the same time, I worry they maybe paid too much attention is that, you know, that was a buying opportunity because I think you and I and others probably expected that, hey, give it a few years and we'll be back on track, right? Think about after 08 or 09, you know, it didn't immediately recover. You know, things took time. And then we had a record-setting 10-plus year bull run. Um, you know, so I don't know. Is it is it because information travels a lot faster now? Um, is it because this is a self-fulfilling prophecy? People are willing it to be positive, you know? Because <laughs> we got to remember that a market – is just the collective psychology of those participating in it. So this is, you know, so another way of thinking about this is that it's not just fundamentals. It's not just the numbers on the earnings statements that are going to come out. It is the collective psyche that says, we want this to be positive. We want this to be past us. We want to get back to normal. And so therefore we're willing to put our money where our mouth is and we're continuing to buy because we believe that we'll get there. 
I think that's one element that really needs to be taken into consideration. And the market is what the market is, right? And, you know, you can't, uh, you have to understand that, assess it and appreciate it for the signals that it is showing you. Absolutely. We do tape this in front of a live Facebook audience. Uh, we have a comment. Do you want to grab that from Shibal? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. So apologies for butchering your sure, name. Sure, yeah. Um, so Shibal says, uh, this is a clear and great example of not timing the market. Long-term dollar cast average or regular lump sum investment is the only way to make sense of the markets. And that's true. You know, that, that is one of the things, especially when it comes to retirement savings that we say is that it, this old adage that, you know, is ingrained in me since I was a rookie stockbroker is, you know, it's time in the market. It's not timing the market. And study after study, graph after graph shows us, you know, when there were dips, when there were spikes, and there would be almost an impossibility for you to have outperformed the long-term averages. If you, even if you had that crystal ball, you would never be able to get it exactly right unless you were back to the future, right? Marty McFly with your almanac. <laughs> so, so yes, thank you. That is a, that's a good reminder. It's time in the market, dollar cost averaging, keep going. 10, 20, 30 years, especially if you have that time before your retirement. These are blips. Go back and look at those graphs. You'll see it go like this, right? But it's a steady. So, yes, we all do want to believe that it will go back. And I think that's the market sentiment. And so that's where we're at. We also have Annette. She says, I think people are going to start seeing, start to see that they can have a happy life with less. And that's an interesting point because that goes to retail sales are down. <laughs> people might realize, maybe I don't need to shop as much, have as much stuff. Maybe people will just kind of, I mean, live with, as she says, less. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, our own family has adjusted. You know, we're not allowed to go out. Um, we've been to the grocery store four times um, and Costco once. And, you know, uh, and whatever we can get delivered is now, you know, months away. So we're just like, well, forget it. <laughs> we don't need it. Um, so it's a good point. And I think it, it has the, this giant pause button, you know, and I'll speak personally here. It has been a great time for reflection. It's been nice to slow down. It's been nice to feel, you know, sort of the, the collective energy that the universe had going there. Everybody was in a race. Everybody was running, running, running. It was getting faster, faster, faster. And, you know, I look at this, you know, I was born in Indianapolis, so I use this metaphor of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indy 500, and there's the race on the course and it's, everyone's going. But when there's an accident, they throw out the yellow flag, right, the caution flag, and everybody has to slow down. In some cases, you can pull over and change your tires and, you know, and just take it easy and nobody loses their position until the green flag comes back out and it's go again, right? So I think... You know, it's a it's a weird metaphor, but at the same time, I'm sort of glad that we've had this slowdown. Now, that doesn't mean I'm glad that there's 22 million people who can't pay their rent and they're filing for unemployment and all that sort of stuff. But I think this fundamental shift of, you know, seeing how you can live your life differently with less and basically maybe changing our values about what's really important to us has been something very interesting to come out of this. And I do hope and pray that people will get back to work and that they will have a normalized life. But I do think that we all need to be prepared for something like this again. And you know, putting back on my financial planner and retirement expert hat, I often would say, you know, you please, please, please have an emergency savings fund, you know, because you need to be able to get through this. It will happen again. We don't know what it will be. And, you know, and that way you will have peace of mind. You will have, you won't experience this comfort, this fear, this uncertainty. You will have at least something to say, hey, I've done something positive for myself. I'll be okay. My family will be okay. 
And when we get through this, we'll, continue, we'll get back in, the green flag will go down and we'll get back in the race. But I mean, that's my hope that what people take away from this. We have time for one last comment. You want to grab that? It's from Ron. Uh, the last one here? Yep. Uh, so many uh, businesses up on the screen. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Ron, thank you, Ron. So, uh, so many businesses are suffering from this. We have to open back up soon. Absolutely. I mean, whew, this is, uh, you know, this is where I'm going to get in trouble if I say too much, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of validity to this concern of having everybody shut down. Um, that, you know, the economy works in magical ways, which is money flowing through the system. If money's not flowing through the system, unless we come up with some new fashion way of saying, you know, um, let's just forget these last two months, right? You don't owe me rent. I don't know the bank of mortgage and, you know, nobody knows anybody, anything, just write it off, right? Like from Seinfeld, <laughs> just write it off, Jerry. Um, but unfortunately our world doesn't work like that. We all are, you know, strict accountants. We need to know where the money was. We need to know how it flowed. So um, these businesses do need to get back in business. They need to pay their employees. They need to sell their goods. People do need some of the services legitimately. These aren't just all fluff businesses with nice to haves, right? So um, there is, if we don't get this back in open and back to usable, right? I'm not saying back to normal or back to what it was, but back to usable in a fashion that can ease a lot of this burden, then um, I think then we're going to be on the precipice of more dire consequences, i.e. depression type era stuff that we have not anticipated. So I'm glad there's optimism right now. And I'm glad that the governments are starting to realize they can't keep this contained, you know, can't can keep everything closed as much as they have um, without some measure of reasonableness back into the system. I could not agree more. I'm going to give you a moment to gather your thoughts for our takeaways and just speak to everyone about one way to I think very productively use your time while you're home and that's just to be a lot more organized. And one way to do that is, is through Tiller, um, which sponsors this episode of Money with Friends. Tiller lets you manage your money 10 times faster in a spreadsheet. It's the only service that connects your banks to Google Sheets and Excel with your daily spending, transactions, and balances. It doesn't force you to compromise, and the spreadsheets are fully customizable for whatever your needs are. Tiller makes it even better because there's an automatic daily feed of your spending balances and transactions, so you don't have to have data entry all the time, different account logins and CSV files. You just connect your banks once. You can see that your transactions are going to be automatically updated each day. Basically, you set it up once and then you don't have to do anything after that. You go to tillerhq.com forward slash MWF to get more information. You can get a free trial there. And then if it's right for you, you can get 20% off your first year and they do send us a thank you. So please make sure to use that login, that, um, that link, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF, because that helps you to support money with friends. Okay, Chad, you're up. Takeaways. All right. My takeaway. <sighs> yes. So let's go back to the point of the article, right? Which is, you know, why is there so much exuberance in the stock market? And, you know, it's not based on fundamentals. And what do we, what do, we do about that? And as an investor, what do you do about that? And I'll just go back to my statement, which says a market is the psychology of those who are participating in the market. And if someone says that it's worth it a certain amount, then they think it's worth a certain amount. And there are more people agreeing than disagreeing. Now, you know, I think that if you are an investor who are short term in nature, this is definitely risky times. Right. But if you are an investor long term in nature, then just keep your head down. You know, I was quoted in one article recently, don't open that 401k statement, <laughs> right? Don't worry about the number on the page. 
don't make significant changes unless you were overexposed to equities and you're 65 years old. Um, you know, go back to that mindset of, you know, this is a multiple year, decades long type of journey that most people are on. And that this, just like many other things have occurred to us over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, um, will pass and we will almost forget about it. But I don't want us to forget about the lessons that were learned and the changes that we know we can take and put in our control so that we won't find ourselves in the same situation again. I think there's a lot of valuable lessons to be had out of this. I, I could not agree more. And I think that's incredibly well said, especially when it comes to the, you know, leave your retirement money where it is. That doesn't mean that you can't revisit your asset allocation. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that you have to put good money after bad. But remember, a lot of that can be done with the new funds that are hopefully still going in on a regular basis through your payroll contributions to your 401k or however you may have set up, hopefully automatic, automated contributions to whatever your retirement fund is. So that makes a very, that's, that's very good advice. So Thank you very much, Chad. My takeaway, much more simple. Just basically, this is a case of the Fed versus the fundamentals, and it is a risky game that I personally would rather not play. Stick to your long-term investment plan that will get you to your goals. Leave the market timing to the gamblers. Yeah. And notice I didn't say to the pros, I said to the gamblers. Because I That's don't right. know if anyone can... I, I, when you read that paragraph that said all the different moves that the market has made, I don't think anyone could have... Maybe some people could predict that. I certainly could not have seen that coming. When the Dow was down below 20,000, I personally if you asked me, I thought it, I would have thought it would have gone even further. I have no idea, though. I mean, I'm I don't know. Um, so because we're so clueless, you can't be doing that. You got to just, as you said so well, yeah. stick to your long term plan, reallocate your assets if you know, in a in a, in a controlled way, maybe with professional help, um, if that's something that's appropriate to you. But to do that in a thoughtful way, not in panic mode. Totally. All right, we got to exactly. wrap it up. Um, where can people find out more about? First of all, you're going to be back tomorrow. We're actually going to be talking about how medical costs could potentially impact your retirement funds and some ways to prevent that. Mm -hmm. um, where can people find out more about you and about Ubiquity? Thank you. Yeah, so uh, the website is myubiquity, M Y U B I Q U I T Y dot com. Uh, that is our homepage. All of our social channels are there. We have a variety of uh, subtle nuances that I won't go into for each channel here. But if you want to follow us or track along, you know, we're very active in social. Uh, we like to take a very supportive and positive stance on things. Um, sometimes, as we've seen in this article and what we're going to do in the next show, it's not always good news, you know. And so sometimes, you know, you just need that reassuring voice. So, uh, you know, we, we try to cut through the noise and cut through the clutter and be the good guys in this industry, tell you how it is and deliver a fair uh, solution at a fair price. So we appreciate you taking a look there. Well, you are certainly a reassuring voice in all of this turmoil. Thank you so much. For everyone who wants to learn more about Chad and our other thought leaders, you can check out our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. Please also follow us and participate in our Instagram surveys, quizzes, polls, and so on. We're going to have one for you in tomorrow's show. Our Instagram handle and Twitter handle is at moneyfriendspod, so please join us there. And thank you so much for being with us, everyone. And thank you, Thanks, Chad. everyone. Thanks for the comments. We'll You're welcome. You, we'll see you tomorrow. This show is created and hosted by Joe Saul Cihai and Bobby Rebel, and is a joint venture of BRK Media LLC and Stacking Benjamins LLC, copyright 2020. 
Ryan Sini, and Nicole Thornhill from Pro Podcast Solutions engineered this show, and Ashley Wall is the producer. For a list of the thought leaders who appear on the podcast, head to our website, moneywithfriendspodcast.com. You can also check out our schedule for upcoming recording sessions so you can join us and be a part of the show. As with anything, remember, you shouldn't take advice from any of us or other video or podcasts without first talking to your financial advisor and that the people in this episode are here for your and their entertainment purposes only. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you back here next time with another episode of Money with Friends.